What is the step-by-step journey to becoming a professional performer? Well, let me take you through it. This is the Theatre Kid Podcast, offering tips and advice from industry professionals for actors, singers and dancers who dream of one day becoming a professional performer. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Theatre Kid podcast. I'm Carl Davis and today I'm going to take you through the standard version of how many people generally become professional performers. There are, of course, lots of different ways to do this. There isn't a guaranteed route to becoming successful, but there is one route that the majority of professionals have taken. And I'll warn you now, it sounds horrendous. It sounds almost impossible at times, but do not let anything I say during this episode put you off. I'm purposely going to make it sound tough so you know what could happen and how hard it could be. It could be easier. It all depends on how much effort and how much, I guess, talent and luck you have. I'm going to start at the beginning, but bear with me because I may catch up to where you are in your journey halfway through this story. So the route that so many others have taken usually starts with some kind of drama club as a child or a part-time theatre school or something like that. You've taken part in some shows, you've got the bug for performing, so you've decided you want to be a professional performer. Simple, right? Well, not really. Let's look into it in a little more detail. Now, adults always look back at their school days with fond memories because there's very little responsibility and life seemed a lot simpler back then. That's my impression of an old person. That is, it's mainly because as you get older, you experience increasing amounts of pressure and stress, and it's easy to compare your grown-up stressful life to your relatively stress-free childhood. However, during your teen years, when you're a teenager, you, you don't have the knowledge your older self has. So your high school exams, GCSEs here in the UK, are by far the most high-pressured and stressful experience you would have had so far. That's until you take your next set of exams, the A-levels here in the UK. So like higher education stuff. During this time, we are creating coping mechanisms so you can learn how to handle the pressure. And these strategies are really put to the test with the higher levels of difficulty as we get older. You'll ask yourself, will I get into college? How do I find my first job? How the heck am I going to get a mortgage on my wages? All of these are equally as challenging as revising for those first high school exams. The difference is, the exam is the first time we've been challenged at that level. To help you understand the extremities of the journey, I'm going to list what I believe to be one way of getting into the industry. So, you've just finished all of your exams, whether they're GCSEs, A-levels, BTECs, whatever, high school, further education. Now it's time to apply for higher education, as in drama schools or musical theatre colleges, dance schools, whatever you want to call them. You apply to your favourite two or three colleges. You then realise that you have to pay for the pleasure of auditioning for these places, and there's also the cost of getting to London. Let's use Mountview as the first example. You arrive at Mountview in London and there are 300 other applicants there, desperate to get into the school. You sing through your audition pieces and you feel quietly confident. You've done a good job. They made you feel really comfortable and you think you've impressed them. You then really surprise yourself with how well the dance audition goes and you walk away from the day feeling exhausted but mildly confident that you did well. You then hear that, historically, 
Mountview usually enroll old applicants, people who have auditioned for them three or four times. You then hear nothing from them. No recall, no feedback, nothing. You were unsuccessful. But that's okay. You weren't too keen on that one anyway. On to the next one. Let's, let's try Arts Ed, Arts Educational. You've heard some brilliant things about Arts Ed. You're excited about this one. It's not important to you that you have to pay for the audition again, nor is it important that the train fare is higher than the last journey because you're not paying for it. Someone else's. You're just focusing on you and your audition. You know the process better this time. You know what the auditions are like, so you're ready and you're going to nail it. You walk in with your two contrasting songs. They ask to hear your legit song first and they stop you after 20 seconds, smile and tell you that they don't need to hear anymore. You can move along now to the dance session. Wait, hang on. Is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Could they tell straight away that I'm perfect for this school and they should be throwing a scholarship at me? Or were they not impressed? They smiled. So that must mean something, right? Dance audition went well. Let, let's focus on that. Surely they like me and they're going to offer me a place. During the long journey home, you find out that your friend also auditioned for Art Said and you're shocked to hear that they were asked to perform their legit piece and their contrasting audition piece. And they've been asked to go back and sing for the next round of auditions. You're both phenomenal performers, but your friend has a more legit voice and your strengths definitely lie in contemporary musical theatre. Why did they get a recall and you didn't? The answer is, only the panel knows what they're looking for. You may be incredibly talented, but if they're not looking for your specific but awesome set of skills, you're not getting in. Sometimes you're just not what they're looking for. And that's not your fault, but hey, it's still super frustrating, right? So that's two highly recommended colleges you fail to get into and... Or maybe not. Maybe you are what they're looking for. Maybe you do get to perform both audition pieces and then do it again with some direction and then do it another time with some random request to sing the same song in a foreign accent. Boom, you're in. Congratulations, you've done it. There is no scholarship though. What next? Let's say you're in a really fortunate position where your family can support you financially or you manage to get some sponsorship or some funding for three years to cover the £30,000 fees to go to college. That's awesome, but where do you live? Who pays for that? GSA, Guildford School of Acting, one of London's leading musical theatre colleges, it's part of the University of Surrey, so maybe you can get some funding for university accommodation. If not, you'll need to find the cash to pay rent in a house share with some other students. Then there's the travel cost to college. The trains and tubes, they're not cheap. At some point during your three-year course, you'll need to eat. <laughs> It'll be difficult to find time to eat during your 12 hours of training every day. But when you do eat, it's going to cost. That's okay, though. You've managed to get yourself a bar job to get some extra cash, so when you finish a full day of training, you can go and work all night to fund your need for food and probably the odd social event. Okay, let me jump forward a couple of years. Congratulations. It's your third and final year. You've made it this far. All you need to do now is get a good feature in this year's showcase so agents who've been waiting for this one performance to find their next superstar can sign you up. 
and you're absolutely right in thinking that their next superstar should be you. But how do you convince them of that? It can all boil down to that one performance. You may get lucky and be headhunted earlier in the year, or you may perform at the end of year showcase and receive no offers from agents. Let's say you don't get an agent. That's okay. They're lost, right? You can still sign up to Spotlight, see all of the breakdowns that are available to members without an agent, which is sometimes limited. You can submit yourself hoping that the casting assistant who is scanning through thousands and thousands of applicants every single day will take a risk on you, a graduate fresh out of college with no agent. In the meantime, reality kicks in. You're not at college anymore. You either need to get a job so you can afford to live in London and be available at the drop of a hat for auditions that might come up, or you can move back home and hope that when auditions come through that they're on a day that you can get someone to cover your shift in work so you can blitz last week's wages on a train fare into London for the day so you can be seen for three minutes at a casting. But on this occasion, success. Congratulations, you got a recall. The first of seven recalls that you're going to have to attend to stand a chance of getting this job. Let's hope your friend in work is really flexible and covers all of those shifts and that you have enough in the account to keep travelling into London. Let's jump forward a little bit. It's the final audition and unfortunately on this occasion, it's a no. Apparently, you're not tall enough. Surely they would have known from the very beginning that you're not tall enough. Why did they call you back for seven recalls if they knew you weren't tall enough? It doesn't make any sense, does it? That is going to be the first of many frustrating disappointments you experience, but certainly not the last. Okay, let's rewrite this story a little bit. Let's say you graduate from college, you did or didn't get an agent, it doesn't matter for this example, and you manage to get that job. It's a West End theatre job, but it's unlikely to be a lead role. You'll need to work your way up and prove your worth in the ensemble, which is a phenomenal opportunity. The equity minimum for a West End contract at the time of recording this, was £483 a week. Let's say you had an agent and they managed to negotiate your fee up to £500 per week. Thanks, Mrs. Agent. That's a great wage, isn't it? That's, that's a good word. Let's put our sensible heads on for a moment, though. We should probably budget just to make sure we've got enough so we can go back home for Sandra's 21st at the end of the month. A weekly fee of £500 is a lot of money. However, you now have agency fees at 10 to 12%. I've seen agency fees going up to 22.5%. Let's take off 10% so you're down to 450 quid. Let's put £75 a week away to commute into the centre of London every day. So that's £375 left. We live on the outskirts of London because accommodation is so much cheaper. I I say accommodation is cheaper. What I mean is we're paying £400 a month for a box room in an area you're not really comfortable walking the streets alone at night. So let's put £100 a week aside to cover the rent. Now we're down to £275. Then there's the food bill. Some can live off 50 quid a week, but you might want to treat yourself. So let's spend £75 a week. Now we're down to £200. Then there's your phone bill, clothing, equipment, mum's birthday card, etc, etc, etc. The weekly budget is disappearing pretty quickly, but hey, that's okay. You may be on a self-employed contract for your job. So You can claim for those replacement New Yorkers you had to buy on your taxes. In fact, you'll spend most of your time looking for ways to set off purchases against your self-assessment so you don't have to pay any tax. You will wish 
they taught you how to do your accounts in school. It's an absolute minefield of confusion. So you'll rely heavily on your accountant to do your accounts, who you'll have to pay to do that for you, of course. They'll want receipts and proof of purchase, but although we meant well, we tried to organize everything and from the beginning, we have no idea where the receipt is for that lipstick you bought 10 months ago. Okay, right. Maybe I'm being too negative. Let's focus on some positives. You're phenomenal. And the majority of castings you walk into are successful and everyone wants to work with you. You're comfortable, work is good, your relationship is great, and you want to settle down together. Let's buy a house. All we need to do is send our accounts over to the mortgage advisor and they can tell us how much we can have. However, you spent your whole career claiming for everything possible as a business expense to get your taxes down, so it looks like you've earned very little. The £100,000 mortgage they've offered you isn't going to be enough to buy a garage in the place where you'd like to live, never mind a two-bed flat. So now we're changing the way we do our accounts and we're not claiming for everything legally possible, so it'll bump up your income so you can get a higher mortgage. However, the mortgage advisor... He wants three years of your accounts, so you're going to have to wait a while before you can go for the higher mortgage. In the meantime, you have a baby. For example, let's just go a bit bonkers. You're not just earning your wages to feed yourself now. There's a little person who is depending on you. That changes everything. I want to be at home to watch my little person grow, but I have to work all the hours possible so we can afford to live where we want to live, drive the car we want to drive, have the push chair that we want for the little one, and so on and so on. It never seems to get any easier. Take me back to my school days where life was so much easier. My point is this. Performing on stage is a gift of a job. You have the opportunity to change someone's life. Dramatic, I know, but you can change people's emotions, their opinions, their choices can change, all because of something that you have done during your performance. That is a powerful gift. You can make someone cry tears of joy simply by doing something that you love to do. For me, it is without doubt the most amazing job I've ever done. My self-esteem was at its highest when I had thousands of people rise to their feet to applaud my work every single night. My confidence levels were through the roof when projects that I managed were hugely successful. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying that because... The psychological effects it had on me were incredible. Had my career not gone the way it did, I sometimes wonder if I would be the same person I am today. Probably not. If you're still listening to this episode, you either really want to work in this industry or you want your child to be a professional performer. I haven't purposely written anything in this episode to put you off. The examples are actually inspired by true stories that I've encountered along the way. If you're a born performer though, you're going to perform. But I also think knowledge is power. If you can prepare yourself, either financially or emotionally, then you're going to have a great foundation to be the very best version of yourself. If this episode has been an eye-opener for you, then please do give it a like or a five-star review. Whatever you can do to support the podcast would be really, really appreciated. I also strongly recommend you check out the Academy over at mytheaterschool.com. I work very closely with our Academy members to help them prepare for this industry and you are more than welcome to join us. For now though, that's it from me. I'll see you next time.